This episode features big wave surfer and commentator Pete Mill. Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, an adventure podcast presented by REI Co-op, the brand who helps get you outside through gear, classes, and adventures. We talk to experts who have taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have climbed the tallest peaks, started thriving businesses, and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. You may have seen Pete Mel careening down a giant wave at Mavericks, or perhaps you've seen him in the water behind the mic as the host for the World Surf League. Well, in addition to his jobs as a pro surfer and WSL commentator, he's a longtime Quicksilver athlete, he owns and runs a surf shop in Santa Cruz, and he's a husband and a dad. Pete probably has one of the most robust and longest surfing careers that I know of. We talk about how he's done it all, how he balances it, his approach to fear and failure, why being present is so crucial, sobriety, and we just get a little deep on this one. It's a good one. Enjoy. Pete, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Wow, Wild Ideas Worth Living. So we're in this conference room at <laughs> a makeshift hotel that we just asked about their conference room. So this was a wild idea. We just made it happen. So I think we should just start with your wild idea. I mean, for a good portion of your life, you've had this wild idea to chase big waves and make a career around it. Why? Yes. Well, um, I think the first part of why was when I first experienced it. You know, it would have had to been my first year to the North Shore of Hawaii. I was 14 years old. I was there for the U.S. Championships in Makaha. But obviously, North Shore, we're going to go to the North Shore. And I borrowed a surfboard from a friend of mine. I only brought like a 610, I think it was. That was a big board for me back in the day. I was, I was literally, I was 14 years old. And uh, my first trip away from home. And I went out at Sunset Beach. A friend of mine let me borrow uh, a bigger board. And I went out there and I caught a wave. And that feeling right there when I kicked out in the channel, um, luckily I made the wave. <laughs> it could have been a different story otherwise. So it's that feeling while you're dropping and then you It's actually out. more the feeling of making and kicking out. Got it. Right? So you're so in the moment, you know, catching a wave and, you know, and all that fear and adrenaline takes over. That is a flash. You don't even get to really truly feel it, really. I mean, you get a little bit of a rush out of it. It's, it's when you're done. It's when you've hit the summit, when you've kicked out in the channel, um, when you cross the finish line, whatever it is, that feeling there is what I've been chasing for now. I'm 48. Um, I'm still have the drive to do it. Kicking out the channel is such a thrill that I keep coming back for it. Yeah, I just heard you talk about that in that movie where they filmed you at, at Mavericks and you still say kicking out in the channel. There's no feeling like it. There isn't. There really isn't. I mean, there's some there's some reflection afterwards. I think a drive home is good <laughs> too. You know, when you can kind of or watching watching some maybe some footage of it later, you get to kind of relive it in a safe environment. But yeah, that that initial kick out, the glow that you get, you know, you, you see it all the time. Um, you know, from all of my friends that I've been able to surf big waves with um, to people that are just starting, like my son. You know, I was able to experience some big waves with him last year, and. Um, that that glow that that is truly being alive. That's truly living in the moment. Um, it can be a little bit dangerous too, right? In the sense that, you know, you're feeding ego and and doing these things that you have to have a balance. <laughs> you can't just be so full of yourself all the time. You, you have to you have to ground yourself. Well, let's let's talk about that that risk in big wave surfing because it's not it's not necessarily risky, but 
you know, Alex Honnold, what he does is not really risky because he calculates it. Yeah. It's high consequence. Yes. Because if he falls when he's climbing up Yosemite without mm-hmm. a rope, mm-hmm. you die automatically. When you fall, you're not you, going to die. You're not going to die yeah. all the time. Automatically. <laughs> no. Automatically. No, it's not nearly the same. So it involves all this preparation. So what you do for this split second involves Maybe you could explain big wave surfing to those of us who don't really surf waves because it's preparation, it's timing, it's looking at charts, yeah. it's rearranging your entire schedule to leave on a dime yeah. to go find these waves. There is there is a lot of facets to it. Um, you know, the the first one being you got to enjoy it, right? So you have to have a passion for it. So you have to kind of be able to um, have a job that allows you to, to chase the waves because they're they don't happen every year, or they do happen every year, but they don't happen all the time. They don't the conditions aren't always right. Um, it's not like you can schedule it, you know, and go, oh, I'm going to have this two week vacation and I'm going to go. It's generally if there's a swell on the maps, you got to be able to understand what that is happening. You have to understand the the local climate and the winds. And, and so all of that is actually a, a big thrill to learn about how wind and waves and, um, you know, temperatures, all that kind of stuff factors into getting to that spot at the perfect time to ride the biggest wave. So that's a big thrill. Um, it's educating and it's, um, it's something that I've, I've found out of passion just to be able to, you know, and then that search, that adventure is something that's really, really neat. You know, what's around the next corner. So there's all these things that, and I think that's why my career has spanned so long, is that I have had that sense of adventure that I can still find another place, another wave, another moment that um, is going to keep me alive and, and, you know, feeling thrilled and, and enjoying life. Now, there's a lot of preparation. Yes, you got to train hard, especially if you're going to be going and doing these things in places. You got to research places. Um, you got to talk to people. You got to communicate. What do you do for preparation? And then I want to talk about fear. So preparation um, for me is you know is equipment. It's um, you know really dialing in the type of equipment you're going to be using wherever you are. Um, you know you analyze the dangers. What what those are. You you set up your safety plan. Your float plan. And these days, there's a lot more safety that's been happening since when we started. When you started, you're paddling in on your own without a flotation vest or jet skis. That's absolutely right. There is boats and there was um, guys on the cliff with radios. We're talking mostly about Mavericks. Yes, Mavericks. And and, and even even YMAB for that matter. I mean, generally surfing, there's lifeguards there now, you know, and that started in the 70s. So over time there's there is safety nets but you have to understand at every spot what those are you know and and if they don't have something can you can you find something that's going to work over time now we've got you know again they have inflation vests you've got you know buddy systems the skis uh, you bring safety teams with you you train all of these safety aspects of riding big waves and it's a much better way to do it nowadays so again that's why the career can last so long so, so everybody, you know, a lot, a lot of people, when they think of big waves, you know, just to explain height, we're talking about five, six story high. Yes. That's probably the easiest way to say it. Yeah. If you stand than, on the street and you look up five stories, that's generally what you're trying to chase around the world. Okay. And so how do you just, to me, the scariest part seems like either taking off or taking one on the head, paddling out. Those are both high risk. Yes. So how do you approach fear? Like, what do you say to yourself to psych yourself up, to get over those moments? Like, to me, it just seems terrifying. Obviously, you're more comfortable now. You've had years of experience. But how do you approach fear? I'm sure you still get scared sometimes. No, you ultimately, you, you do. Um, and a lot of it has to go into how much preparation have you done. So if I'm if I'm winging it out of the blue, something like that, I'll, I'll have a little bit more fear. And I'll take a much um, more calculated approach. 
Um, how's my body feeling? So there's a lot of things that go into, you know, if you're at hundred percent, that's when you can go and you have that safety team in place. You know, you have all those risks mitigated so that you can have a, you know, an opportunity to fall or, and not make your wave and be able to, to get to the surface and have, and get help if you need it. So those things really help to kind of overcome that fear. Has there ever been a time where you were just terrified that you can talk about or a story that there, there's been a, a, a bunch and they're usually pretty fleeting. And I've been very, very fortunate that, you know, I haven't been, I mean, you know, the ultimate would be is, you know, a death while surfing. And I, and to be honest, I have never been around someone that, or any time that that's happened. It, I've had friends who passed away. I've been around it. Yeah. But it's, um, it's a risk that's there. And now, like I said, nowadays things are a little bit easier in, um, in regards to making sure that we come home at night. But, you know, to be honest, it, it getting there and, and, and overcoming that fear is, is the ultimate thrill. And that's why we're all drawn to it. I think there's a lot of things in the world that you can kind of correlate that to, but, um, it's really about being alive. Yeah. I mean, so, so I want to talk about that because you have this approach to life where you get close to death, that you really live life fully. How is big wave surfing translated to the rest of your life? I mentioned it earlier that, that it, it, you have to have a balance, right? Because if you get too sucked into it, um, the dangers of being, you know, too much in ego, too much involved in it, you you lose other aspects of your life, your spiritual essence, your maybe even your training, um, you know, things, your relationships that are important in life. So I've had to find a balance, you know, because there was a period in time it was all about me, only me, and that selfishness, that ego, everything that was involved there. And I've had to look at that. You know, because you make decisions in life, you know, that maybe oh, I'm getting this wave over, you know, watching your son, son's game or what, you know, um, you know, hanging out with your wife on a trip that you had planned for a year. <laughs> you know, all of these things happen and you and you make decisions on that. And that's affected my life. So I've had to find balance and and finding balance is, is actually looking in the mirror and going, OK, what is what's truly important? Um, you know, what's important to the family, communication to the family and, and you know, the people around me that I that I deal with day to day. What is most important right now? Like, how do you make your choices on what you want to pursue? Because you get offered a lot of different opportunities in life at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm very fortunate right now. My, I've got a couple jobs. You know, I'm running a surf shop in Santa Cruz with my wife. Um, we just, yeah, no, we just, <laughs> that's another job. Uh, we've just taken it over, uh, from my, my family as our family business we've had for almost 50 years. So, so we're now running started the surf shop. Yes. In 1969, the same year I was born. What's it called? Uh, it's called Freeline Design Surf Shop. Oh, okay. So your Freeline dad started Freeline Surf Shop. You're, you're running that now. You and yes. your wife. Yes. That's job one. Job one. Yes. And I'm a full-time commentator with the World Surf League. I do every event that they have plus a couple extra. Um, you know, so I'm end up doing 14 events a year. That's, uh, what, 140 days a year that supposedly on call for these things. So that's a lot of your year. It's over three cars, what, 40% of your year. But so, then you compete. And I do. And, and those and the, the competition part of it is is not as much now as it used to be. I, I would, I'm not officially invited, but I'd love to do Mavericks one more time. Um, Mavericks, you know, the contest. Mavericks, the contest. About. Yeah, yeah. And, and the World Surf League has a big wave tour, and they do they do events at three different spots. They have one at Piahi in Maui, which is Jaws. They have one in Nazare, um, which is in Portugal, and they have one at, at Mavericks, which is up in Half Moon Bay. So now there's only three events. Um, you know, the odds of getting into those events, you have to qualify. There's certain you know you have to have a wild card. And you're a dad. And I'm a dad. And um, a husband. And a husband. So yeah, there's a lot going on. So to be able to have balance. Things you have to give, you have to give. So how do you check yourself? Do you have like to-do lists? Like what do you do <laughs> to find your balance? 
it's been a, a long um, road to work in progress. It really has, you know, and, and, and at this point in my life, I've, you know, I've, I've come to find that, that family is, is, has to be first because I've, I've put other things in front of them, right? Um, we've designed the store to be able to work away from home, right? So luckily I've got great people in place that work there. I'm there, I'm working there when I'm, when I'm home but I can do everything I need to do off of these great little technical devices, you know. He's holding and, up a phone. Uh, yeah, and I literally can, I have uh, everything I need to run the business right there. Um, emails, you know, and so I don't have to be on site all the time. And with Quicksilver, you're like the dad at Quicksilver, I feel like as well, to, yeah. to all the team guys. I, you know, and, I, it, and that's cool because my son is obviously endorsed by Quicksilver. He's still there, he's been there for a long time. So he's doing his thing, which, you know, which is competitions. He's on the QS now, which is the qualifying series for the World Surf League, trying to get to the elite group. And that's been a hard road, having to kind of help and coach him and mentor him through that because he's 18. and. All of a sudden, he's in the big leagues and a lot more losing in competition than there is winning at that time. You know, he used to win all of the amateur events when he was young, but now it's a, a bit of a transition for him. So giving my insights there is what, important. What advice do you give to the guys? I mean, I'm sure guys come to you on the on the World Surf League and, you know, on your son's tour. You'd be surprised. I mean, there there isn't a ton of that. You know, and a lot of times I think, at least with as a commentator, I'm I'm – I'm an analysis, right? I'm, I'm analyzing these these people. So I do have some knowledge that I could give them, but yeah. they don't ask because they don't necessarily want me to be talking about it on air. So I'm also the press, you know? So it's a, it's a, it's a you know, keeping you know, the friendship, friendship, and then, you know, the job, job. And, and so I don't really try to blend those lines, but I can see, I mean, Ross Williams is a prime example of somebody who's, you know, as a commentator who now is coaching the world champion, John John Florence. And he made that transition pretty quickly and easily. But he kind of, you know, he was already that guy. He's good at it. So let's talk about this one decision you made. Your decision to instead, for, so at one point you had this steady job as the big wave commissioner, big wave world tour commissioner, which sounds like a great job. And you said, no, I want to compete and yeah. give up that job. It was a, it was a bit of, uh, and that was again, communication with the family. So at the time, it was, it was a, a very hard first year because when we acquired, actually what happened was the WSL acquired the big wave tour off of Gary Linton. And at that point, there was some changes that were being made. You know, a lot of things were going to have to happen. There was more money. There was uh, different events and there was formats and rules and all of these things that we didn't have. And so it was a, an opportunity that I felt like I could give back to the, to the big wave community and have a competition element of it and give everything, I, all my knowledge and everything that I could do. And it took a lot of work. It took a lot of bandwidth to do that you know, on top of commentary, on top of remodeling our store and making that happen. So it was a lot. And so something had to give. That was the major reason why, you know, we had we had gotten a goal of, of having it up and running. I still had a desire to compete. It wasn't necessarily something that was the why I quit the job. It was more about, you know, balance. the balance and, and being able to, okay, what can give? Um, and at that point, everything was running pretty darn smoothly. Mike Parsons was ready to, hey, I'll jump in and, and do that job as commissioner. You know, there's a lot of politics involved and everyone wants oh, to be invited. Big wave surfing. There's tons of politics. <laughs> yeah. So what was so interesting to me is if you look at a sport like baseball, there's not guys that are commentators while they're competing, I think. No. Uh, I mean, there might be at a, at a certain level of, of, you know, learning. So let's talk about the World <laughs> Surf League where you're a commentator and you're often the guy in the water. And I, I always find you to be really refreshing because you'll bust on people and make <laughs> jokes. And to me, comedy is just—it's so beautiful when when pulled off correctly. It, it's actually oh, well, no just beautiful hurt, right? <laughs> at, at any time. But, you know, how do you think? Like, I mean, I'm—I str always struggle sometimes in interviews. You know, I met you 
10 seconds ago and we went up to some random conference room. You know, how do you think of questions to say to these guys in the water when there's, I can edit this, like there's a camera on you and it's live. Yeah, no, and, and I actually, to be honest, work better live. I mean, literally every time I, you know, cause a lot of times we'll do stuff to tape. Well, Pat's filming. Yeah, it's good. Okay. But like, a lot of times we'll do stuff to tape, right? And that's, and that to me, I end up like, as soon as I know that I can screw up, I do. So it's better if it's, you know, it actually kind of, again, I think it's very similar to like being, feeling alive. Like you have to be so in the moment and enjoy the moment that you're talking to somebody, you know, you're interacting with somebody that you take away the camera, you take away the microphone and you're just having interaction. I think that's why I have been so successful at doing this because that's where, that's the way I treat it. And, you know, it's just literally a conversation. So you don't have like go-to lines that you think of. Y I mean, I have to, you have to have some yeah. preparation there. Um, and generally I'll, I will, um, you know, if there's some facts that I need to know, I'll look them up. But generally I try to, to look at what's been happening, you know, that's happening in the water. And I'm going to bring my knowledge from what I, you know, my interpretation of what's happening and, and telling that story. Um, as, as far as the you know competitors are concerned, there's a lot of times I'm doing interviews. Um, I will have one question that kind of talks about, you know, and I, the way it would be greatest is that you could have something about what just happened, why it happened, what is the, you know, the next steps, um, you know, and so you kind of have that questioning. Give me an example. Um, so something happens in a heat because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm analyzing surfing, competitive surfing. Something happened in the heat that was a turning point in the heat. And I want to know why or how that turning point affected that surfer at that time. So that's kind of in the moment, what just happened. And then you look at, okay, so how did that moment actually change what's going to happen next time or at the next event, um, you know, and, and kind of talk about, you know, the win or the loss and, and why it's going to affect you for what your goal are, is for the rest of the, for the rest of the season. It seems like the perfect career for you from riding big waves or you have to make critical decisions right then and there. Yeah. I mean, for example, would be the time that... <laughs> Mick Fanning was a, an example when he got attacked by a shark. Well, he had a shark incident um, and, and interviewing him on the boat afterwards. And I kind of did, I did. So wait, let's just back up. So yeah. for those of you who don't know, maybe we can just talk about this. This is South Africa. South Africa, Jeffrey's Bay. I just returned from them a week from there a week ago. But this was a couple of years ago. Yes, this is uh, 2014. All you see on the video is Mick Fanning sitting in the lineup in a shark fin rises and, I, and then he disappears. Yeah. And I was in the water working as well that for that final. I actually had surfed with Kelly Slater, you know, during the break and, you know, it was all, all great and dandy. And I had just sat in the water and, you know, did a, did a little cross in the interview. And then we're sitting there and it happens. And you hear, um, gig ciliers on the microphone up top of the, you know, on the beach commentary, Hey, we've had an incident, water patrol, water patrol. And I was sitting on a ski that had, you know, water patrol. We had a sled and we raced over, we picked up Julian, you know, Mick had you know, been picked up and, you know, everyone's freaking out. And, and then they're asking me, get on the boat, get on the boat, interview him, interview him. And I'm like, okay, you know, and like, you're not exactly thinking about questions at that yeah, point. Yeah, you're like and, scared you know, of a shark as well, yeah, I'm right? sure. Well, we got onto the boat, so we were okay. But, um, you know, he's, he's all um, rushed out and freaked out from what happened. And, you know, you try to get some explanation out of it and actually have it be, <laughs> you know, something that you can give to people that, it's gonna, you know, that they're going to like. And it came off pretty good. And a lot of it was that, you know, he was kind of going into, it would have gone into shock. And so having everybody there and, and, and being able to have a little, you know, a little laugh about it, you know, like, oh, you punched the shark. Did you get him good? You know, kind of thing really kind of lightened it because he could have easily just died right there. We could have had a very bad experience and, and luckily nothing was there. So you make light of it a little bit, but there was some reflection later 
you know, where he was like, wow, I just, you know, dodged a, a big bullet. You did an awesome job. I, I will never forget that clip. I think no one will in surfing who watches the tour that closely. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, but stay tuned. When Pete and I come back, we get a little deep. Guess what? Saturday, September 22nd is National Public Lands Day. Not sure what a public land is? Well, they're not just the epic national parks you might think of like Yosemite and Zion. Public lands include your neighborhood park, your local bike paths, mountains, grasslands, waters, even the beach paths you run and some of the beach parks where you shower off after you surf so you don't take sand back to wherever you're going next. These are all public lands and they're ours to take care of. So this National Public Lands Day, get outside and take a friend. You can also get outside on the public land with REI and sign up for an REI stewardship class or event at rei.com forward slash stewardship dash events. That's rei.com forward slash stewardship dash events. What are your thoughts on how surfing is progressing with the Olympics, with wave pools, with women entering it? On the big wave tour. Yeah. It's there's, exciting. There's, I mean, there's a lot of great aspects happening. There's a lot of um, amazing stuff that we knew when there was true support with a single company doing this. Because, you know, when the WSL started, um, in, in, you know, five years ago, before that, it was very fragmented. The tour was very fragmented because you had companies running special events and, and they weren't they weren't able to share stories. They weren't able to share footage of events. So you never really had a trail you could follow. Now with the league, you get all that. So it's a lot easier to follow. It's a lot easier to be a fan because you can find your, your surfer that you're attached to. And hopefully we're able to give those stories and tell those stories for people to kind of become a part of surfing. And that's a goal for competitive surfing. Like surfing isn't necessarily all competition all the time, mm-hmm. but it's a part that we can all enjoy. We can watch it. We can see the best in the world do their thing at the best waves in the world. And then you've got, you know, the big wave element that we can try and showcase as well. You know, the competition side of it. We've got the women involved. And it's just a, a, a part of surfing that uh, is, is really cool right now. And the wave pool. Yeah, well, that's a whole other subject. I mean, I, you know, I just was reading about it today. Like there's three, there's three events uh, or three venues in Australia opening up. They just announced the one in, in Japan. And so there's going to be a lot of pools, um, a lot of wave systems out there for people to learn how to surf. So it'll be pretty cool. It's the only thing in the world that gives me FOMO is not getting an invite to that wave pool. And so many still, wave- I had my invite and I'm still kind of having FOMO because every time I see it, I'm like, oh man, that's so fun. You did surf, right? I did. I okay. did. I got, a, I got a session in. I had to work my way into it, but I got there and, and I had a whole day. So it was nice. How do you make a living? I mean, you have the longest surfing career, I think, out of anybody. <laughs> In, no, in professional not, surfing. Well, I, I just, just so you know, is pretty long too. Larry Hamilton does have a long <laughs> surfing career, but you've really managed to make a living following your passion. I think everybody listening to this show wants to follow their wild idea and make a living doing it. And I think that that's something that if you can do it and you know the avenues and you want to pay attention, you can. You but how did you do it? Well, like, it, I mean, <sighs> like what are some tactics that people can take now? Look at opportunities that are given to you. If they're scary, if they're something you don't think you can do, give it a try, give it a wink. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's what I did with the commentary thing. It's like, one of my friends was like, Hey, you should try this out. And, and sure enough, I, you know, and I, I used to be so freaked out by cameras and sitting in front of cameras and really? doing the hell yeah. And, and doing all of that. And, and now, you know, I enjoy it. Um, it, you know, but it started, 
you know, just randomly. It was, a, it was a, someone gave me an offer to do something and I didn't refuse. So did, did you have any like public speaking coaching no. or any of that camera coaching? No, no, no. I mean, and that's just experience of doing, you know, quote unquote, being a marketing of your brand, which is myself um, in surfing. You learn just talk in front of the camera. You, you learn to, to, you know, you learn about what are good pictures. You know, um, I had photographer friends that were a big part of my career because they were there filming me and they said, hey, this is how we're going to get the best shot. This is what we do. And so it's translated into, you know, movie parts. It's translated into, you know, obviously standing behind the camera and doing stuff now too, commentary wise. And that's just looking at stuff and having your eyes open and paying attention um, and being aware and conscious and, and executing and going for it. And saying yes. And saying yes. Do you have like a manager or anything to help nope. negotiate your contracts? My wife, my wife is, uh, you know, a big part of my, my career. She's been mm -hmm. my manager. She's been my marketing. She's been everything. She's been my, she's rebuilt the shop. I mean, it's, she's amazing. Um, so I was going to ask about fortunate. your wife because it seems like when I meet people with a really solid career, they usually have a solid support. Yeah. And it's not, and it's, you know, we, we work together and that's the thing. Um, but also taking and looking again, just being aware and looking at other people's careers and how their pathway has been. And, and again, just, and I've always tried to, you know, if I'm doing something, you know, always have something else there too, you know, don't always just focus hundred percent on something. And that's where I've always been. It's like, okay, yeah, the professional surfing career is things going, but I've also liked big waves. So I might start ch chasing big waves. And then all of a sudden that stuff started working out really well because, you know, Mavericks blew up and I was getting photos surfing, you know, these big waves and getting invited to big wave events. And all of a sudden that path opened up, you know, and. But uh, I like that you always have another path you can fall back on yes. or chase. Yeah. And it, and it's, but it's gotta be something you love, right? Yeah. I mean, my, my education really was, you know, high school, graduated after high school and I did, uh, you know, a year of Cabrillo, which really wasn't, I wouldn't even call that, uh, you know, and that's a local community, community college, college yeah. but I was too involved in trying to go surfing and competing that I, it was like, yeah, I took ceramics. I think I finished maybe 10 units. So. Ceramics. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. But you're from Santa Cruz. I could throw on the wheels pretty good. That's cool. But you're from Santa Cruz, where a town that, you know, when you grew up in, a lot of people didn't come out yeah. as successful as you are. Um, yeah. How did I've you had to, I had to go through that road too, you know, and you I think did. That that's also a part of, part of growth. Are you sober? Or I am. You yeah, are? Yes, that's I awesome. Yeah, There's I've so many people on this show I've interviewed who are sober. <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like that's almost a key to success. I wouldn't say, I mean, there's, it's just, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a, a key to success, but it's definitely a way to, to really focus inward, right? And, and look at yourself in a big way because, you know, in order to, you know, as an addict, you, you have to, <laughs> or else you probably won't succeed at staying sober. How long have you been sober? I'm going to be 11 years. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. It's like Kelly's titles. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. I'm going to keep going. I can keep, keep, keep going. Keep going, Sorry. You're going to keep winning. Yeah. You know, I, I, did, I was going to ask you about failure because I think that's something we're all so afraid to talk about. And yeah. I mean, surfers have this beautiful image always. And I don't think we talk about failure enough. I agree. Um, and, and for me, that there's been some failure in my life. You know, I've looked at things and, and I, I want it to be a learning experience. Right. And, that, and so that failure, um, you know, you can that's the best way to learn because um, you're feeling it. You feel that emotion, you feel the downs and you, you have to turn that around. I mean, examples being, you know, you're, you're put so much into an event and, and you want to compete well at this event. You've done all the preparation and you, and you fail. Um, you have to, you know, see it, feel it, you know, and, and not pack it away, see it, feel it and, and move on and, and go, wow, I learned something there. It's some growth. And you look at it as a positive. And it's it's really easy to say. It's a heck of a lot harder to do. 
Um, but it takes time. So, you know, I've packed stuff away too. And that's why I think that a lot of the reason why I was doing what I was doing when I was partying, I was packing stuff away that I wasn't proud of. And I've had to unload that, you know, and be light again, you know, and, and, and it took some time. It's always really shocking to me when I see a guy surfer cry, but I'm seeing it more. Like I'll see him at their heat frustrated and you'll just last see event. Like, yeah. I mean, last I event, Kolohe had, exactly. had, had a breakdown moment, you know, because mm-hmm. he puts in so much and you can see it. He is so driven and, you know, and, and that's what happens. You know, you have a, a burst of emotion that comes out and right on good on them for it. And it's really refreshing to see it. I feel like this new generation is just of everybody is just very open and it's, it's very different from like the old surfing culture. We ask everybody, you know, what advice would you give to your 15 year old self? But I want to know what advice you give like your son and guys, your son's age, Look, which with, is like 18. Yeah. And, and he's at a point where he's now a man and he's making decisions on his own. And I have to trust that you know, my parenting um, that I did with him has has translated into turning him into a successful human going forward. Um, you know, and some of the things that I get to hear from people that have hung out with him is that he is highly respectable. He's he's a good, solid kid. It's, he's a joy to be around. And that's right there is a is a win for me because it's different as a parent. You, you have a relationship with him and you want to be you either tell him you know, what he's got to do or what he did wrong. Right. And, and that, as a parent, that's something that you just innately have to do because you're trying to teach them. You don't cross the street right now. You're a kid, you know, and you, and you get in that pattern and now it's being able to just kind of release and let him go. Mm-hmm. So what I tell him now, nothing, <laughs> I'm, I'm literally, I've done the work. And, and so I, uh, now it's, I just get to be a joy and hang out with them. You know, it is a joy to be with them and, and go for a surf. That's really what it's about. So advice to dads raising kids, especially kids that are really good at sports that they pursued as well. Make sure there's balance in how you you work with your children, right? So there is going to be that time you're going to reflect on something and tell me you shouldn't have done this because this could have happened and, and you're giving on your own experience. And there's going to be times where, oh, hey, you, you probably shouldn't do that right now. and, and But not one too strong that, that way or too strong in the history. Don't look forward or in the past too much and, and really, really, truly enjoy the moments that you have with them. You know, when you're with your son or daughter, be with them 100% wholly. Uh, it's something that is, you can't take away with, you know, time is one thing that everyone has as an asset. Um, and if you you give up that time by staring at your phone and or being distracted with an email, when you're supposed to be something, someone as important as your children or your wife, you better pay attention. I noticed that you, I, I went on your Instagram and it looked like, despite how many followers you have, you, you took a big social media hiatus. I did. Talk to me about that. I, I, it, when you walk around, I mean, I, I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of it, right? These, these things help you, but they also hinder you because they take you away from, you know, again, I'm talking about devices. So social media as a whole, it was something that it distracted me to a point where it, it was affecting my life and I didn't like that. So I, you know, I, stepped away. My, my wife did the same thing. We just kind of sat there and we spent a week together and, and it was about us working on, uh, you know, our, our marriage and also just life in general. And, and, That's so cool. and so I, I deleted everything. So I didn't have any history at all. And I'm starting all fresh again now again. And now it's like, it's back to just being fun and, and hopefully being something that is not going to take me away. Cause how long did you take this hiatus for? Oh, it was a, it's like a week and a half, <laughs> two weeks. I Whatever, mean, Whatever. That's nice. <laughs> That's, <laughs> kind of, I mean, considering that my job kind of falls around it too. 
yeah, your job is to be on social media. So to take, you know, for me, it's really hard because right now my job is to, to also be, if I could do anything, I would take an entire year without a computer or a phone. Yeah, it'd be nice. And it, you can't. To be honest, you can't. I know. I'm going to try. But having a podcast, <laughs> it's a little challenging. I'm going to start with a week. Yeah. And um, you know what? You can come back with all this great content. <laughs> so so we ask a lot of our guests this question. And it's just telling, you know, if you could throw any party right now, who's coming? Where are we? Look, I, I've got some really um, great people in my life. Obviously, my family. Um, I have a huge extended family. I'd love to have them all there to, uh, you know, to participate in this. And it would be uh, something that's going to have games. It's going to have um, every age bracket. You know, it's going to have uh, kids, and it's going to have all of their like siblings. Water games. Uh, water games, slide, slip and slide. You know, like when you know, like you know, like <laughs> Job. He does it right, man. And he goes Jamie and O'Brien. It's Jamie O'Brien, right? Okay. And he'll have uh, slip and slides, and he brings out water skis and all this stuff. And it would just be all the toys in the in the world, and it would obviously be around the ocean and water and waves. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to invite all of the people that I get to, to hang out with uh, on the crew. I, my commentary crew would be there because you just have a ball all around the world together. Um, you know, my son and all his friends, my sons and all their friends. And, uh, yeah, on the tour, <laughs> it'd be a big party. <laughs> Sounds like you kind of have those every, every stop of the tour. Uh, we but, try to. That's definitely it. We try to. You know, you have been all over the world and, and my fiance and I like asking everybody this question. You know, if you could live anywhere besides where you live now, which is Santa Cruz, where That's would a, you live? You know, there's a there's a two places right now that I mean um, that I'm, I'm really fond of, and one of them is Portugal. Um, oh, I God. love I love um, Portugal. I love the people. I love uh, the region. It's um, you know it's one of those places in Europe where it's 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 separate in a way. And uh, you know most people know English, but you know I'd love to learn the Portuguese language. Uh, it's you know it's hot and cold, and it's all those things. That, and the waves are great. So that would be a place um, that I would love to be. And then Australia so is another place that I really really enjoy. Um, you know, and obviously the tropical places are pretty cool too, but just in general, like, um, you know, the people in Australia and where they're located would be a pretty good place to be. I love us both. And we're going to Portugal this year. Any gear recommendations? I mean, because you, you traveled, I didn't even let you check in yet. You just had your backpack <laughs> in the lobby. And we're like, let's go. I actually took public transport here. It was awesome. I know. The I mean, transportation I took the train. in Denver is amazing. No, I no. Too. And then they have a free, you know, free, free bus you jump 16th on. 16th street shuttle. And bang, you're here. And it was great. So, um, you know, I think that that being and understanding uh, that kind of stuff uh, is is really important. Um, I have I have this um, skateboard uh, that is is uh, amazing. That I, it's a battery operated skateboard that is uh, is incredible. So I, I have that as a gear. That's your gear. <laughs> I bring that you, it you take everywhere. No, I don't is take there... it everywhere. But if I have to use it for running around, like the Gold Coast, it was perfect to have. Um, actually, all through Australia. Is there anything you, else you take, like certain foods or like you know it, stuff to travel with? I, I do. Like I love Justin's peanut butter. So those little packets, yep. I take Justin's with me everywhere, and you can put it on anything. It's a dessert. It's a snack. Yep. I put it on bananas. Um, I have packs of it uh, constantly. That's um, cool. That's something that I really like. Justin's. Do you have like butter. a travel pillow or anything? I I don't, but I do have. A Quicksilver Waterman sweatshirt that is like thin tech one that I always wear when I travel, um, and it's like you can you can put it over your hand and your head. And it's lightweight so that you're just enough to be warm, and it also keeps all the stuff that you're traveling around <laughs> at bay. That and and also having alcohol wipes <laughs> clean up your little seat around you <laughs> so you don't get sick. That's actually really smart. I tell people to bring wipes everywhere, but yeah. I didn't even think about that. No, it's huge. I mean, I literally I don't even care anymore. I'll sit there and I will wipe down my whole seat and everything right there in the airplane and people look at me sideways i don't care yeah you travel i'm actually cleaning this plane for you 
<laughs> the next person that comes in the seat is going to be so happy. <laughs> You're really highly productive. Any routines that you'd like to keep? It's, it's being up early. Like I love being up before the sun and, and going to sleep early. Uh, so I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of rising and, and with the sun and, and going to bed with the sun. I, I don't like to stay up too late. I like to have good sleep. So I'm, I'm kind of running off of uh, literally the earth's time clock. Love and that. I think that's key. That's awesome. And then any books or movies, podcasts you recommend? I'm super into Eckhart Tolle right now. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. So he is the, my Yoda at the moment. Um, I've been, I'm going to a seminar in Huntington beach in, uh, November. He's in uh, the Hyatt. Um, I'm going to go and meet Yoda. <laughs> He's, That's awesome. Have you ever have you ever watched some of his stuff? I love Eckhart Tolle. Uh, I read that book in 2006 or something, yeah. and it yeah, it was game changer. And it's like a Bible, so you could literally just open it up and read a passage out of it and 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 live it. So, uh, and a lot of that I've been trying to kind of focus my attention on just um, reading a lot of that, uh, you know, watching a lot of his stuff on TV too, or on his you know, on our devices <laughs> without being too much. <laughs> Last question, <laughs> advice to people who who want to live more wildly. They're just not fully going for it, and they have this it that they want to go for. Like, how can we get them to just I get mean, off? It, the it's so cliche, but it's literally do it. Like, it's just, it, it, you know what? And, and find a way to do it. Like, even if it's just a, a moment, a short moment to, to experiment there, because you just never know what can come out of those things. Just open that door and look in. Mm. And matter of fact, it's even better just storm your way in. Where can we find more of Peter Mel? Obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the World Surf League, we're going to have events. U.S. Open's coming up next week. Um, we'll be down there for that. So that's a big part of it. I've, you know, my social feeds have stuff on there, but I don't, I, I've got to limit myself and, and balance myself. So um, when I'm working on the World Surf so League, that's where you'll see me. the World Surf League. Thank you so much, Pete. What a legend. Pete, thank you so much for coming on this show. I'm so stoked that you're so into Eckhart Tolle like I am. I love it. That was awesome. Always bring wipies and just storm your way in. I love that advice. Thank you to Quicksilver for being so awesome and arranging this interview with Pete. Thank you to REI for sponsoring this show for all of 2018. They've been such an epic sponsor. You can find more about Pete Mel by just logging on to the World Surf League and watching him in action. He's the man who does quadruple duty. He'll be surfing in October. He'll be commentating events. Next month, he'll be in Portugal at the Big Wave Surfing event in Nazare. He'll be at Mavericks, hopefully. So stay tuned on his big career. Thank you again for listening. For those writing new reviews, I want to kiss you. These reviews really help the show, and some of them are really funny. So Keep them going. They make me smile. They make me laugh. And they keep this show free. So just go to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe, tell me what you like about the show, and then tell your friends because we're almost at a million downloads. Wherever you are, either way, don't forget some of the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas. I really appreciate the feedback on last week's episode. If you haven't caught it, check it out. We talk about the joy of missing out. We'll see you next week. We have Rue Map of Outdoor Afro and some awesome guests coming up. Enjoy. Enjoy.